Hey, good win for the Hornets last night. Fantastic podcast coming up with Steve Plunkett, Volvo Body and Paint Business Development Manager. And boy, oh boy, do we get through some topics. Right, welcome to this, the ARC360 podcast, brought to you in association with BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response, and Sherwin-Williams, as well as our partners, Aztec, the Green Park Specialist in Darsa, Prasco UK, and the Innovation Group. Great session coming up for you today. Enjoy. Good win for the Hornets last night. Absolutely. Yeah, they're flying, my friend, and they're not too far off the uh, the mighty Canaries. Well, there's, there's seven points behind us at the moment. We can probably talk a bit more about this in a minute, but... Welcome, everybody. Joining us today is, uh, well, I'm going to use the term industry legend. I know it's strong, Steve, but uh, <laughs> Steve Plunkett of uh, Outsource and uh, Volvo. Steve, how are you today, my friend? I'm great, thank you. Yeah, feeling really good. Feeling in good shape at the moment, doing lots of running at the moment. Yeah, I feel, I feel good. And obviously, I've got the tiring aspect of doing lots of travelling every week at the moment. But uh, equally, I'm chomping at the bit to get back out there. But uh, no, I'm, I'm in good form. Thank you very much indeed. You know, a few ailments that you get, you know, when you're an ancient old geezer and you're still trying to do sports and stuff. But I'm, I'm fine. Don't you throw that age excuse in. It has been noted on Strava that you've been doing a fair bit and well, we expect you to be running to your meetings in future. So uh, watch out industry when Steve turns yeah. up in his Lycra. Oh, good luck though, really. <laughs> I get reminded of that every day by Mrs Plunkett that, you know, don't look too good. Uh, obviously when you come back, you're a bit stink because you're a bit sweaty as well, you know. <laughs> well, at least that's only after you've been for a run. It'd be far worse if it was first thing in the morning. Yeah, that's very true. It, so, uh, that's very so, true. Yeah. Anyway, my friends, um, as I say, those in the industry, uh, many people will know you, but uh, again, there may be others that don't. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, your career path to date, and just again, touch on kind of your current role with, with Outsource and Volvo and, uh, and what it entails. Yeah, sure. Okay, well, we'll go for the current role first, should we? Um, I'm contracted into Volvo uh, Car UK from a company called Outsource, which you may or may not have heard of before. And at Source, we were a company called Remit Resourcing up to about three or four years ago. So we're an outsource provider of people across sales, service, parts, body shop. And alleged expertise is what we bring to manufacturers and other businesses. So yeah, I've been in a role with Volvo, it'll be nine years this October. I really don't know where that time has gone. It's absolutely flown by. I'm responsible really for customer retention through the ethanol channel. The first note of classification of loss channel. Yeah, I've been doing that, like I said, for quite, quite a while now. Um, started my career as an apprentice. Uh, luckily, uh, my dad had a garage and I started working for him in my last sort of summer holiday. I wasn't really much into school, to be honest with you. Uh, girls and football were the main reason for going to school, to be honest. I didn't cause anyone any problems, but I just really wasn't that academic. But yeah, luckily, my dad had a garage and he said to me, like, you know, why don't you come and give it a go? Uh, he, he wanted me to do mechanics, which I hated. Did that for about a year. Started to do a little bit of body and paint, and apparently I was <clears throat> quite a natural to it, and I really enjoyed it. So I changed courses after a year, and um, and unfortunately, my dad got took ill, so uh, he had to um, rent his business out and pack that up for <clears throat> well forever really. And um, so yeah, I finished my apprenticeship elsewhere, and. Sort of kept on the shop floor till I was 27 and changed jobs about six months before I came off the shop floor. But I'd already lost quite a bit of interest in painting cars, if I'm honest. Um, 
So uh, anyway, I applied for a job with BSF, and luckily I got it as an RM technical rep, which was the dream job. You know, a painter in a suit and a shirt and a tie, white overall, spray junket and all that. Brilliant, loved it. I did that for three years, got made redundant, unfortunately, survived a few culls, and um, then went to spend three months out of work, ended up working at a Vauxhall main dealer as a parts rep. Terrible money, but it was the easiest job I've ever had. I used to have a kit and read the paper at about three o'clock in the afternoon. They gave me a target when I when I arrived there, an annual target, and I did it in about four months because I knew all the body shops in Norfolk and Suffolk. So it's dead easy job. Probably a few parts reps saying challenging that statement at the moment, but it really was the easiest job, but the worst paid job I've ever had. And then became a business manager actually at the Vauxhall dealership. Did that for about I don't know, 10, 11 months, and then the body shop manager got fired. And so I, I applied for that and got the job. And it was a real sort of steep learning curve. Did that for about a year, then went to work for East Building Coachworks when they won the direct line contract in 1994. We went through major, major change and growth there in the five years, five months I was there. You know, fantastic place to learn, great business, uh, business that probably many people know, got a great reputation. And uh, but decided I wanted to get on. Off and I worked for Junior Spray Booths which many people don't know for about seven weeks. For every negative, there's a positive, is my belief, and uh, got me back out on the road and got me back in touch with a lot of people I maybe hadn't seen for a, a while. And, um, uh, yeah, I left there, went to work for Nationwide for four and a half months in Norwich. Wasn't doing very well when I went. Only been open about five years. Wasn't making any money, but I got them into profit after four and a half months uh, for the first time ever. And in between... Got an interview with Carter and Carter, um, who many people will remember. Um, and I got the job, went to work for Toyota on their body paint program for five years. And then went to work for Jaguar Land Rover, still at Carter and Carter for two years. Same job, different badge. Uh, worked with some great people in that time as well. Had lots of fun. And uh, we won the Manufacturer of the Year Award through Body Shop Magazine in 2006. And then I got asked if I'd like to go and run the Peugeot program. Uh, so I did that for about 12 months. Uh, burnt myself out, made myself ill and needed to recharge the batteries. Then sort of started looking around to be honest with you, something that wasn't quite as full on um, after covering half the country and ended up working for Verex, which was brilliant. You know, I thought I knew a lot about insurance and accident management until I went to work for Verex and I learned so much. And uh, that was good. And then Mr. York came on the phone from Outsource and said, how do you fancy coming to run the Volvo programme? They just won it. And uh, I jumped at the chance, to be honest with you, to get sort of uh, to get back in. So that's a bit of a potted history, Mark. A potted history indeed, my friend, and my goodness, I tell you what, there's some uh, there's some experiences and some tales in there, I'm sure. Yeah, it's one or two, I'm sure, yeah. Being paid to sleep at three o'clock in the afternoon, not a bad thing, is it? But uh, yeah, yeah, hey, 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 moving on swiftly, you're a, you're a big football fan and you follow your beloved Norwich City, I'm not sure I've ever met another fan, but there you go, um, who are currently flying high, just in front of my boys, the, the mighty Watfords. But you've also managed to intertwine this love of the game into your work and raising some much needed support for charity. So tell us a little bit, I've been involved in the Plunkies All-Stars, but tell us yeah. what it's all about. You've been a bit more than involved, Mark. But yeah, so yeah, big Norwich fan, 58 years old. I've been going since I was eight years old. And, you know, we are a bit of a yo-yo club. Then my local team, and I've, I, I actually was a Chelsea fan when I was eight years old and had a Chelsea kit and a Chelsea watch and stuff. Not many people know that. But when I went to my first game, that was it. I was hooked and I kind of clocked that. If I supported my local team, I'd actually get to go and watch lots of football matches. So yeah, big Norwich fan. Obviously, like you say, Mark, we're doing really well at the moment. We, we will lose a game or two, I'm sure, between now and the end of the season, but we actually look like a team that's not going to lose. 
Yeah, it, it, we're too good for the championship. And this hope when we go back up, we're good enough to keep in the Premier League for at least a, a, a longer spell than we were last time round. Yeah, charity football matches, I still play football. Well, some people might dispute that, but I've always been fully committed, whatever people think to my skills. Uh, not got a bad left peg on me um, at times as well, but I still love playing football. I do really ache the next day, even though I'm quite fit, but I know where I'm going to ache. I played at Canberra Road, actually, my first charity match in 2010-ish, something like that. Now, 2011, big part for a charity called Football Aid, and it's quite expensive to play. Uh, and I did that for three seasons running, and I kind of thought, it's getting a bit expensive now. And I've done that, played with some ex-pros and stuff. Thought, you know, and I've always been quite keen on fundraising. So I thought, well, why don't, why don't I actually set up my own football team? So we've got the Plunkies All-Stars. It's always Plunkies All-Stars against the, the funny-looking kid mercenaries because it's made up, both teams are really made up of, like, friends, acquaintances, industry contacts, and we've raised just over 30,000 quid so far. We normally raise about £6,000-ish um, each game. Again, everyone is just so generous when we put the call out. Charge the players to to play and um, we've done it for different charities we're doing it for Anthony Nolan hopefully this year Anthony Nolan's kind of my favourite charity if you like because I lost my dad to leukemia in 1982 um, and I was a donor donor for a transplant in 2003-ish as well so I, when I've done the London marathons I've raised quite a lot of money for them and just kind of figured it's time to actually start raising some money for them again this year so if we can still do the Plunkies All-Stars game which won't be May the 27th, but somewhere around there, then uh, we're going to be raising uh, money for them. But yeah, I still love playing for the, the, the football matches. Everyone, I know Mark, you, like you say, you've been involved. I think you've played at least four games probably for us now. One at Milton Keynes, Mark, with some particularly badly bruised ribs. I seem to remember you know, you coming in the dressing room at half-time and think there's absolutely no way you're going to continue. But we were a bit light on subs and you did. And I seem to remember you scoring a goal. Remember fond that memories, my friend. Fond memories. Uh, laying in yeah, bed for a week some, after the game. Uh, we, it's a group of people that still like playing football. Age groups from 19 to people in there. I think our oldest player that's played, uh, Hubie, he's 65 years old and he still loves playing footy. So I always pick both teams and I always pick both teams with the view that it's going to be a close encounter. Luckily for me, we've... I think we've only lost one so I've been accused of match rigging all that sort of stuff but you know we always have pretty close games there's not like five or six more thrashings in there is there so that's good and like so we raised some great money we've had three ex-pros play in the matches of well. Peter Mendham, Cedric Anselon and uh, Cedric you know, he played when he was a young up-and-coming footballer in France I'm trying to think we played for now but search him out anyway he played he was a substitute at one of the UEFA Cup finals in like, I think it was the early 90s. And um, he played with people like Zidane and stuff. Zidane used to take him to training. So I interviewed him for them on the match programmes. And it was real, really, really great. And uh, Anthony Gardner, who some people remember, played for Tottenham and for Hull. He played our game at Molyneux when we got absolutely thrashed. And he had one good leg, but I'll tell you, his one good leg was pretty good. <laughs> so fit and fast. I realise you know, what athletes these people are, because he hadn't long finished, but he was awaiting a knee up, so he was only going to do 45 minutes, but he kept myself and Mike Rowley from a ready check. We had we had one shot on goal all time, which actually ended up in Mike scoring a fantastic goal, but we, we have a lot of fun. It's a good thing to do. Everyone looks forward to it. If we can get back to playing this year, we, we will definitely play at Peterborough United again, even if we end up playing at the training ground, you know, whilst they're digging up the pitch. 
we'll do something and hopefully I'm still fairly confident that maybe we might might even get another game in somewhere. So I'm just waiting to see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's good and everyone enjoys it. Everyone looks forward to it. I've got quite a big list of people that are desperate to play in one of the games. But I'd always try and keep loyal to the people that have supported this the previous year or, or in other years, you know. So, And I've just committed, Mark. I know, you, again, you're a runner as well, as am I. I said I've done London Marathon twice. First experience in 2006 was fantastic. Loved it. When I finished, I felt like I could have done that again if they'd have asked me to. Second time, I ran it in 28, 30 degrees. I still did it in four hours, 32 minutes, but it was 45 minutes longer than I wanted it to be. Um, I said I'd never, ever do it again because I was an emotional, mental and physical wreck. I've just signed up to do the London Marathon in 2022. <laughs> so I won't be able to train as hard because the knees won't take it. But again, it's such a great event. Um, my daughter's boyfriend's kind of got, got me into it and convinced me that I should do it. So... So that's that. Oh, Plunky, you're easily swayed, aren't you? I love that. Yeah. That's a runner's wow. mentality for you. Forget the pain yeah. and yeah. go for it again. And uh, yeah, the the football, great occasions. They always are. I mean, so, so nice to get together in that environment. Well, if you're a football lover with colleagues from the industry, peers and colleagues from the industry. Yeah, and I, I, to be honest, I, I'm surprised that um, yourself and Mike are out of Anthony Gardner's pockets. We thought half the pitch thought you disappeared there for, for, for good, mate. Yeah, he actually, was good, wasn't he? As we walked off the pitch, we, me and Rod Mike were a bit, bit down the mouth because we'd been battered 4-1. And uh, I think we were 4-0 down at half time and they were a really, really good team that we played against. Mike said to, well, at least we both put it through his legs. But it was, it was almost like a crab as you knocked it through his legs with one foot. He, his legs sort of, like, not a lot of an octopus, just sort of came round and took the ball back. But yeah, all good experience. And uh, one thing we didn't mention is for those people that are listening in that don't know, we always play at professional grounds. So we played at Carrow Road three times, uh, MK Dons, Molyneux, Peterborough United. And as we said, we had such a good time at Peterborough United, we decided to go back. Albeit their pitch isn't looking anywhere near as good as it was, because um, they just had a flood, apparently, to burst water main. So anyone watching them on the Quest on a Saturday night will see their pitch looks more like a, a mud bath at the moment. So great stuff. So yeah, we're moving it on then, but we'll get back to work, as I suppose we should really. But um, Damn. this you're going to like this bit though. So you've won numerous awards for the Volvo programme and you previously mentioned for, for others. And the success in the UK is held in such high regard across the organisation. Thank you. What's the, uh, what's the magic ingredient? What's the secret? A lot of hard craft, basically. <laughs> yeah, thanks for your compliments, compliments Marcus. You've always been a big supporter, which is much appreciated and recognising what's been going on the last sort of eight or so years. Back to the age thing again, I guess, in a way, you know, look, lots of experience. You know, I've worked on other VM programmes in the past. I don't think consciously ever sort of looked and thought, well, that bit don't work, or that's a good bit, we'll do that. If we ever run a programme of our own, but we won't do that, you know, if it's something that you don't like. But I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think when Mike spoke to me about the Volvo job, I just thought, yeah, I'm ready for this. I'm ready to get back. And really, really make my mark on a body and paint program. And you know, Volvo is a terrific brand to work with, and obviously they've come on technology-wise amazingly so in the last sort of seven years with the new products. And it was just time is everything, isn't it? And I probably earned a bit of that because I've like been through a bit of a tough time before I joined Ferrex, got myself sorted out and back on track and hungry, hungry to go again. So I think yeah, you know, the experience is a big thing. You know, there are some benefits to getting older after all. I did have a vision, to be honest with you. I knew I knew what I wanted to do with the programme before I started. You know, I remember, like, 
had one of those sort of A5 notebooks what I started writing in literally about a month before I joined Volvo and it was kind of full by the time I started and when I started I just kept picking things off from there but yeah an awful lot of hard work I mean that first year gosh I mean I worked some hours I tell you you know getting out meeting talking to people spend a lot of time at that sort of planning things out we had 137 body shops on our list at the time and 99% of them were compliant the best Volvo we'd ever got to is 50% compliance well clearly you know, you can't have a program of any repute if you haven't got an approved net- network, excuse me. And uh, luckily, there was a few people on that list. I'm going to do a bit of name checking now, like Andy Pennell from Belgals, uh, Carms, Cordelangelo at Autocrash in Bedford, uh, Rob and James at Excel, and I called them up and got some feedback from them. And uh, they were very honest with what they were seeing at, the, at that time and what they felt we needed to improve on. That then prompted me to do a survey with the network. So I spoke to about 95% of the body shops that were on that list at the time and said, look, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. I'm here for at least three years. This is going to be my contribution. I need you to roll your sleeves up and do the same. Are you up for it? And some body shops weren't. And some body shops, to be honest with you, were never going to really meet the standard. So um, 85% of our body shop partners are new to the program since 2012. Last year was the first year that we haven't had any change. And we, we, we've had a little bit of a change this year uh, for one reason or another, but only across to our one or two sites. But, you know, change change is good. And sometimes things happen for a reason, don't they? But we've got a fantastic network. But I think back in the early days, it was all about, you know, the devil being in the detail, looking at our ethanol partners. Um, standards was a big thing. The audit at the time was taking a whole day. And body shops are fed up of that. And the body shops get a lot of, lot of audits now. So we've cut that down. We cut that down to half a day, but we've just gone self-assessment, which is, I think, a big plus. But yeah, I think, Mark, I think it's all about really having the drive, determination, the leadership, um, self-motivation uh, and discipline to and, and just to crack on and just make things happen, really. So, you know, nobody wins anything unless they're extremely lucky. I'm one of the sort of people, no one's really ever given me anything. I've always had to work really hard for it. A lot of hard work and endeavour working with some great people we've got a fantastic network of body shops and i know mark you've been to some of our events conferences roadshows and high achieve events you know how what a close relationship we have with our body shops i think the body shops we've got working with us now they really get what they get what i'm about and they get what the program's about we don't make unreasonable demands but we do have expectations and we do have standards not just physical but maybe mental standards around behaviors and um, we, we have a mutual respect. We work really closely. We have some great partners like Verex for insur- our insurance, uh, Warren Consortium, Vision, Frax Assistance, uh, BSF, or our long well-established paint partner now. We've just renewed with them. Uh, Morelli and AK- LKQ as distribution partners. Always at this point where you hope you don't forget anybody, of course. But yeah, we, we work with some great people, but we've consciously built the programme around people that, like I said, just sort of get get what we do so yeah we've had some amazing progress in recent times but we've still got lots and lots of opportunities you know winning the ABP and the Body Shop Magazine Awards are fabulous and it's lovely to have that recognition and uh, we've had some special nights on the back of that but the last three years we've won a FIFO award for I'm going to read this actually because if not I'll get it wrong for consistently high quality repairs excellent customer services and exceptional customer experiences and for me you know, those three 
FIFA awards are the most important awards that we've done. It's not about me. It's not about the team. I mean, the, the awards that we won through AP and Body Shop are always about the bigger picture. And it's not just about me. It's about the, the team, immediate team and the wider team that work with us because it's a, very much a joint success. But those FIFA awards, you know, I regularly preach about how good our network are. But to get that award independently awarded is just awesome. You know, I no longer need to get on my soapbox and preach just how good my network are. But, um, yeah, so, like, lots of success. You only as good as your last three points, of course. Um, and um, your last good run or your last good sale, whatever that might be. So it's, you've got to keep it going. And I think that's one for, one, and that's something that I'm really proud of. The last almost nine years that you know, I think we won our first award in 2015. We've won 10 in the last almost nine years. But we don't rest on our laurels. We just keep going. Lots and lots of opportunities. You know, having, as you say, attended some of your, your Volvo network events and, and mingled with the people there, you know, that, that sense of buying, belonging uh, is definitely evident. And, uh, you know, credit to what you do, you know, hats off. You work, you work hard for it and, you know, you, you certainly um, wave the flag for not only Volvo, but for, you know, VM approved networks uh, across yeah. the industry, uh, you know, in various events, features that I've written in the past, other publications have done. So, um, you know, hats off to you, Steve, for kind of, you know, um, doing that and uh, and putting yourself in the public eye to that to that degree. Thank and, you. Uh, well, it's about it's about doing it's about doing the right thing, Mark. You know, not just for me personally, or for for outsource, or for Volvo, or for our body shops, or for our customers, our partners. You know, when it comes to repairs, and I think we're going to talk a bit more about this in a little while. But it's just about repairing cars correctly and safely. And you know, I, would, I need to be able to lay in my bed straight at night and feel confidence with the people I'm working with. You know, yeah, so yeah. around making sure these cars are repaired correctly and safely. So that's a that's kind of where it starts. And like I said a little while ago, you've got to have the VM, you've got to have the network in place, and you've got to have the right people. You know, nothing else will just do unless they're meeting the standards. But you know, we put a lot of emphasis, and we have since 2013 when I was able to actually then take a bit of a deep breath and spend a few hours looking at our standards, and I chopped a load of stuff out which was just old and antiquated. But I put things in like marked in uh, not social media actually nine years ago but you know making sure the body shops and their nominating dealers are working closely together and you know treating it as a partnership rather than just a nomination oh, great stuff Team, great stuff teamwork, now, makes the dream. teamwork makes the dream work there you go so what a lovely way uh, just to uh, hit our midway point there so a little stretch off a little run around a little warm-up perhaps stretch those hamstrings because uh, we all know when they play football at uh, our tender ages. So go and grab yourself a quick breather and we will be back very shortly. So welcome back, everybody. I hope you had a good little stretch off and we are uh, back in the game, so to speak. Second half uh, with Steve Plunkett of Outsource and Volvo. I hope you enjoyed uh, messages that he relayed in the in the first half and some great insights into, well, not only Steve's career and history in the industry, but, um, you know, all the bits he gets up to behind the scenes and obviously, importantly, the uh, Volvo programme and all those people involved in supporting that. So on that basis, Steve, tell us a little bit more about the day job and what might a, a sort of typical day look like? Difficult right now, I'm sure. But how do you sort of interwork with the stakeholders? Has anything been permanently changed, do you think, by the pandemic? And, and how, you know, again, do you engage, interact with the network as a whole? I guess one of the things I like about the job is that it is varied. There's so many things go on, uh, lots of things that we do in the programme and as a team. 
lots of teams meetings at the moment, like everybody else the last 12 months. And that's good. I think, you know, it's given us all maybe a bit more of an insight that actually we don't need to charge around the country and burn ourselves out as much as we have done in in the past. It's, you know, good to have more teams meetings. I think even when I'm back on the road, which uh, me and Simon will, will be back on the road on the 12th of April, and I've already booked up some meetings and a couple of hotels. I'm really, really looking forward to that. You know, we went back on the road sort of September time-ish, I think it was. After about three months, it felt like I'd almost got a new job to be honest with It's so great to get out there and see the body shops and the dealers and and have, have our meetings. So look, as I said, we body shop dealer or retailers, as we call them at Volvo now, body shop retailer reviews are really, really important and kind of lifeblood of what we do. So getting out there and holding the holding the, the joint meetings are really, really important. Supporting our body shops in, the, in these meetings is really essential. And we're always looking at what we can do to help the retailers and the body shops to further develop customer retention through the ethanol channel, repairs and part sales. So within our standards, the body shops and retailers have to have a quarterly marketing plan, joint marketing plan. They have to have a joint review meeting every six weeks, which, you know, of course, it's been really challenging the last uh, 12 months. But uh, where we can, we encourage them to do that by Teams or Zoom or even by the telephone because it's important that people uh, keep touch. But, yeah, so I think the, the key the key activity really is having these meetings with the body shops and the retailers. And, again, it's more commercial focus when we have those meetings rather than a technical focus of course when we're out on the road we'll help the body shops with standards but yeah it tends to be more around the, the commercial aspects the standards that we focus on repair quality you know supporting the body shops with anything they need to ensure that they're delivering on the, the right standards at the right time during repairs is important i think i mentioned earlier with we're, we're working with 75 body shops at the moment that will go up to 76 probably around about back end of q2 but the tight network work really closely with them. We we keep it to one body shop per retailer because you know we've not got a huge market share. We've got a growing market share, but I think a lot of body shops think that if they get an approval, they're obviously going to get lots and lots of work. We do stay working to network through our different partnerships, but it's also down to the body shops and the retailers to to drive customer retention. We we work with suppliers of car insurance, Ferex. I work in consortium for accident assistance. We have regular review meetings with them. So, you know, I tend to get still quite a lot involved in a lot of strategic things, bits and pieces for, for the program. Uh, during the end of the first lockdown, I did an audit personally because I was the only one working in the team at the time. I did an audit across all of the body shops. I inspected their websites. I looked to see whether they were on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram, and I scored them all with a red, green, uh, or amber card and gave individual feedback and then summarised it all at the end and provided the body shops with more tools and support mechanisms, information to help them in this area. Because, you know, some body shops, it's not really an area that they really get, or, they, or maybe they understand the importance of it, but they don't have the skill set in the business to actually go out and develop their own customers. And that's a message that I out there a lot you know who knows in your market area so if uh, for instance Hadaway Coachworks was in Manchester who knows that Hadaway Coachworks is the Volvo approved body shop so we encourage them to do joint posts with their retailers and uh, we've been doing some great work with Gary Chu at Small Talk uh, for probably about six or seven months now you know he's well worth checking out if you're a body shop have a look at what Gary's doing um, his fees are extremely reasonable. One of our body shops um, said that he spends more on sandwiches a month 
than he does with Gary Chu and Gary's doing all his social media for him. Also working with uh, Martin Kelly, who many people might remember from his PPG days. Martin's got a fantastic tool called Red Mailer, and it's a great tool that really enhances the retailer and body shop relationships, branded communications. Martin's working with many other brands apart from Volvo. You know, we're giving that quite a big push. It's so yeah, we communicate with these guys, have meetings with them quite regularly. I mentioned BSF Morelli, LKQ, Kev Dillon at STL as well. Um, they're all there. He's another partners in the program. So supplier review meetings is important that we all we all communicate, keep in touch with one another. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of data analysis goes on, Mark, probably even more so in the last 12 months because we've had more time and obviously everyone's always talking about, you know, where claims are, where repairs are at, um, constant reviewing our own targets and objectives. And uh, sometimes there's maybe a bit of negotiation done around that. Um, but yeah, we, we pride ourselves on regular communication to the body shops, previously through maybe email communications. Uh, one of the bits of feedback I picked up on when I started at Volvo was that there wasn't any communication coming out to the body shop. So we fixed that very quickly. And I think one of my skills is that I'm a good communicator. Um, but we, as I said, we're doing self-audits now. So through our self-audit tool monitor, we'll be cutting down the email traffic and putting a lot of the communications on on the monitor. Obviously, volumes are down. You know, it is what it is, isn't it? And we're, so we're doing, I think we're doing a lot, maybe more than many to um, help our body shops get more volume back in to the business. We're looking at things like health checks through the retailers. You know, if there's a damaged car in the retail, we want to make sure the retailer is reporting that to the body shop so the body shop can have a communication or uh, conversation with the customer. But I think how's everything been affected by the pandemic? I can see change of foot. I think some body shops, well, I don't think I know body shops, some body shops are starting to think like, do I want to be manufacturer approval to actually want that particular manufacturer approval do I want to concentrate on my insurance approvals and uh, I know Mark we did an event literally about a week before lockdown you and I and you asked me about what change I saw coming or the change I saw coming in the industry and I said at the time I felt that a lot of body shops would start looking at whether they want to focus on uh, manufacturer approvals or with maybe insurer contracts and I could already start to see the way some of our body shops that we're working with were going they may be dropping some insurer or work provider contracts focusing on VM contracts and we actually had one of our body shops resign from the program a couple of months ago because they want to contract concentrate on their insurance contracts which is absolutely fine we we, we didn't have any full nights there was no tears we had a good professional conversation but I can see the greater percentage of body shops we're working with are more focused on the, the VM approvals, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, BMW, Tesla's obviously uh, a, new, a new one on the block. A lot of body shops are going for that. The return on investment's always been really important to me for this programme, making sure our body shops are, are getting a return on their Volvo approval. If, if they aren't, you know, what's the point of being, of being Volvo, Volvo approved? So helping them driving business through the programme, through their body shops is really, really important. And I think we're in a good position actually i really do whilst claims are still circa 50 percent down year to date and volvo's repairs are i think we're in a very good position because we've built a very strong program and i think we will have uh, maybe a bit of a quicker recovery period throughout this time than, than maybe some so as always with me the glass is half full rather than half empty mark Interesting times ahead, as you say, observations from, from the industry uh, in terms of movements there. Fascinating to see how it all plays out without a shadow of a doubt. 
and in terms of the day job, uh, you know, involved in in everything essentially along the way. And it must, you know, it must be really interesting to to have that kind of overview of you know each end of the or the entire spectrum and i know you know the, the sort of volvo involvement you have as well as that down to the down to the individual body shop so uh so fascinating stuff and uh, as you say you know you're seeing it firsthand you're experiencing it the pandemic let's be honest has been a, a huge disruption uh, yeah. to to everyone and everyone's been in, implicated in their own own certain ways but um as you say fingers crossed glass half full we're sort of navigating yeah. our way out of all of that now and, and onwards we go yeah well um, i think i think we work mark in a very resilient industry absolutely um you know i, I think actually we're going to have a bit of an indian summer as well by the way which i think will be good for the body shops because there's going to be a lot of people doing staycations you know we saw it in norfolk last year the coast was absolutely rammed we'd never ever seen it so busy but I think this year will be even busier. So I think probably from almost starting from Easter, certainly when people are getting out and about a bit more, probably up until, you know, the, the summer holidays seem to be extended to almost October, November now, don't they? Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to have, you know, a, a busy summer. I really do. And that will help the body shops to have some sort of recovery period, I think, because I think normally where cars are parked up at the, at the uh, airports, I think we'll see more traffic on the road. That's my forecast anyway. There you go. You heard it here first, everybody. Steve Plunkett's uh, summer forecast. We'll continue that football analogy then. It's half time. So a big thanks to our corporate partners, BASF, BMS, CAPS, Copart, Emacs, Integral, Enterprise Rent-A-Car, Merca, Nationwide Vehicle Recovery Assistance, S&G Response and Sherwin-Williams, as well to our partners, Aztec, the Green Part Specialist in Darsa, Presco UK and the Innovation Group. Enjoy the second half. All right, my friend. So, so you know, we, we've obviously referred to the fact that, um, you know, you've got years of experience within the industry and you've already referenced potentially kind of, you know, some of the some of the tougher aspects, some of the uh, some of the low points, some of the high points. But, but what have been your highs and not so highs during your career? What have been the kind of lessons that you've taken from it? Again, the last eight and a bit years at Volvo have probably been a, a real high for me, to be honest with you, Mark. Um, because, again, there's been an awful lot of graft and hard work go into it, a lot of hours. It's, so it's good when a plan comes together. And it is, it's fabulous to, like we touched on a little while ago, to get the recognition for the programme. I think it's, we've created quite an aspirational network and programme. And we've had lots and lots of inquiries in recent months about becoming Volvo approved. And we always appreciate that. It's always nice take it as a compliment people want to um join us and uh you know there's no room at the inn at the moment but sometimes things change so you know we always treat those inquiries with respect and keep body shops details for maybe an, another time but yeah i think so i think yeah, look, the success we've had the recognition reward we've had as a result of the program being successful have been probably has been the career high to be honest with you and yeah winning outstanding achievement award at body shop magazine 2017 ish i think it was that was good because i'd no sooner sat down to pick up the volvo manufacturer of the year award and i was standing back up again to get that one that was all right a real nice surprise and you might remember mark i had a bit of a bob monkhouse um, uh, moment didn't i when i did my speech and you were not with you and i on camera yeah, which is it. yeah yeah really remember it well the point of ridicule in this household, let me tell you, um, it frequently gets brought up when there's been a few drinks and flying around the table. And, uh, you know, I think, and for a small team as well, you know, we've, we've made quite a lot of noise, you know, whereas only myself and Simon and Cathy worked with us four days a week. So, you know, that may be, we're a bit like the Norwich City of the Champions League, if you like. We're in territory that 
maybe we don't have a right to play in because many of the other VMs have much bigger teams than us. I think, but also, you know, when I joined Volvo and I outsourced, you know, Mike York and both, both Volvo gave me the freedom to do the job as well. I remember having a meeting after about six weeks at Volvo and David Badley, who was head of after sales at the time, was, was a bit blown away, I think, by what I'd come up with in such a short period of time and kind of said to me, you know, what do you want us to, to do? What support do you need us from us? And I said, nothing really, other than just, just trust me to let me get on and do the job for you. And that's kind of been, I think, another reason why we've been so successful that Volvo have an outsource of, well, they've shown a lot of faith in me, I suppose, and then I suppose over a period of time could see the results we're bringing in. So like that, just crack on with it, you know. Um, sometimes I think I've um, seen it in other VM programs I've worked on. We can get caught up with a lot of red tape, but yeah, we've just been able to get get cracking on with it, you know. So yeah, I think also like um, working, as I said, with the fantastic network of people we work with and supplier partners. And the fact the body shops actually really bought the ticket. They, they got got it. One of our body shop said to us about five years ago as we were appointing them that, you know, look, we're buying the ticket. And then about two years later, they said, well, we bought the ticket and they had fantastic growth. So just seeing the buy-in from the network is fantastic. And I think career lows at the time, getting made redundant a couple of times was a bit of a kick, to be honest with you. But a bit like being in a fight, I suppose, isn't it? It's about how you pick yourself back up and and go again. And, you know, you get back in a job and it's on lesser salary than what you're on. You have to sort of um, accommodate that. And at the time... We would have had a mortgage, so that would have been a bit of a worry. Yeah, 2009, I think I might have mentioned earlier, I burnt myself out a bit. I had this period of time, just over two months, where I just recharged the batteries before I went again and started at Verex. Plus side of that was I actually got to be at home a lot and spent a lot of time with the kids, picking them up from school and stuff. And I've been very lucky that I had great parents that supported me and family, wife and children um, that are always right behind me. So, yeah, that's kind of where we're at really, Mark. Good on you, my friends. And, uh, you know, amongst all the successes, I, you know, I think it's increasingly important kind of, you know, in, in the world we live in, in today's society and, and the kind of, you know, mental well-being and mental health being a, a key ingredient, you know, a key aspect of the world we live in today, you know, to kind of almost, you know, acknowledge those those lows, not dwell on them, but acknowledge them, um, you know, tip our cap to them. I think it's important, isn't it? You know, when you do get kicked, when you're down, you, you bounce back and um, you've seen the success that's gone on from from there. So, um, yeah, well, so, no, it, great, great story, Steve. Life's full of highs and lows, isn't it? And Absolutely that, my friend. You have to enjoy it when it's good and uh, when it's not so good for whatever reason. You just have to just regroup a bit, don't you? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. So important lessons, important uh, messages to get across there. So... So taking it a bit broader, if you like, to the to the repair industry or, or the automotive industry as a as a whole. So how do you see the repair industry evolving in the coming years? You know, we're all very aware of, of vehicle technology, uh, electric vehicles coming our way at a rate of knots now. And, and what do you see as kind of the key challenges, stroke opportunities for the repair industry? I think um, we're seeing a technology revolution. Um, through evolution really aren't we again like I mentioned earlier since 2015 when we relaunched or relaunched XC90 that launched the new XC90 on our spa platform and since then we've launched what seven about seven vehicles oh I mean our technology has gone through the roof and I can see it with some of the other brands again again like Tesla you know you think of Tesla for instance where that's come from in, in recent very really really recent times so yeah technology a technology revolution through evolution because you know um, as you might have seen in the last couple of weeks um, Volvo's uh, committed that by 2025 50% of our global car sales will be 
full electric and 100% by 2020, 2030. You know, we're, we're getting up for that. We're ready for that already in the approved network. All the body shops, um, well, they would have started going through the electric vehicle training this time last year. And uh, literally about a week after we got the formal communication out, we went into lockdown. So we, we're kind of rebooting that again this year. And in fairness, some body shops actually started to get their technicians, their nominated technicians doing the electric vehicle training last year. But we're well, we're well on track with that now. So during the next 12 or so months, each body shop will have um, a fully skilled and qualified Volvo electric vehicle technician. They're all in the process of purchasing the equipment, which is the single most investment we've asked the body shops to make through necessity in the last almost uh, nine years. So, you know, I'm really passionate about my, my brand of cars being repaired correctly and safely, first and foremost, but any brand of cars and I think you can see in the body shops now the, the skill set in the body shops, the VDAs and the technicians is cutting edge really. And I would like to see more recognition from across the sector of the skill level that is in the body shops because they really are the experts. You know, the, some of these guys are just just absolutely fantastic. They're mind blowing at how good they are. You look at some of the challenges they have to repair in the body shops these days. It's just just amazing. Like I keep saying, we, we've got some great, great people working for us. We haven't had any objections to people taking on the electric uh, vehicle training. Everyone's embracing it and just getting on with it. Uh, I think you know technology is going to continue to drive change in the sector. Uh, I think moving forward with the technology that's in the vehicles, I can see the vehicle manufacturers taking more control of their customers through the ethanol channel. I think that's just inevitable. You know, we're we're kind of starting to do that already. I know when the other prestige brands is as well. So I think, yeah, technology in the cars going to get even more complicated and complex moving forward. Uh, VMs, like I say, taking more control of the ethanol. And yeah, I, I just wished we saw across the sector a bit more recognition and acceptance of this technology and how complicated it is. You know, we, we get stories fed back to us about things that the body shop's been asked to take off their estimates and... I just wish that sort of thing wasn't happening still. As you as you know, Mark, we've since twenty the summer of twenty thirteen, we've been running a body product technology course in Daventry. It's two hundred pounds per person. We've had well over six hundred people attend that now. So we opened up our doors to share our technology because we want the sector to understand, to learn, to edu be educated by what's going on in today's cars. Once we can uh, reopen our doors at Daventry, we'll be getting that car course back on. On track so i think we've done done quite a lot as a brand to share our technology but i still have concerns and worries sometimes at the, the lack of knowledge out there in, in the sector as to how this technology really should be getting repaired and actually where it should be getting repaired at if you know what i mean so yeah evolving sector isn't it oh rapidly evolving absolutely at a rate of knots the technology course that you refer to yeah i think i've been on been on a couple um you know it's it's great to be surrounded by such a diverse group of people i.e anyone yeah. from kind of insurance engineers down mm. to you know through to repairers and the supply chain it's it's just interesting and yeah and again it's one of those things it's great you know that that appetite for knowledge is there uh yeah. within the industry and and it's just a case of continuing to uh to spread all those messages and uh and, and get that education out there i suppose across yeah. across all areas of the industry yeah uh, but i think also you know it's not just the repair technology, it's the technology that the body shops have got at their fingertips and the retailers as well. Again, 
as we've touched on earlier, you know, we've had a real big push on even more so in the last 24 months, encouraging the body shops to promote who they are, what what they are, what they do, how they do it, and raise awareness in the market area that they are the Volvo approved body shop, and to to encourage us to customers to contact them in the in the first instance. So, um, I think the technology revolution is actually at the control and behest of the body shops to promote themselves and raise awareness to their customers of the fantastic skills they have in in their four walls. You know, it's an industry that it's um yeah we, we don't market ourselves very well as an industry, do we? And it's uh, no, no, it's always don't. been the case. But um, fingers crossed. We will yeah. get in there. And, I, I, uh, think, I think the body shops are getting better. Yeah, definitely. And they will continue to get better. For sure. And you guys are doing it. You know, you've already referenced it, but um, you guys are doing a good job across the social channels. I see a lot more activity from the from the Volvo network. So um, It keeps me busy because I always make promises that I'm going to like it, tweet it, <laughs> reshare it. So sometimes you go on like LinkedIn or Facebook, whatever, and you say, oh, my goodness. And like half an hour, 40 minutes later, you know, you kind of hope no one else pops up with a, with a post, but no, it's good. I'm more than happy to support it. And if, if you say you're going to do something, you've got to make sure you're going to do it. So good on you. Right. So, again, you've probably referenced um, a, a bit in terms of this question, but, but Volvo's plans, visions for the future are very well documented. You know, everyone knows Volvo for its for its safety. And I've been fortunate enough in the past to see some of it firsthand during a trip, trip, trip to Sweden um, some yeah, years back. To the um, um, crash test centre with the smart, didn't you? Amazing experience. We saw an XC90 being crash tested, if my memory serves me yeah. correct. I don't um, think the XC90 had even been launched at that time, Mark. No, it hadn't. And but that was the first crash test I'd witnessed. And I have to say, likewise. if anyone gets the opportunity, it is unbelievable. Absolutely. I think it's it changed my view on kind of you know just daily general driving behaviors not not me personally but when you when you're sat on a motorway and you see people whiz by you at a certain speed you think my goodness um i've seen what happens to cars and uh, incredible experience anyway enough of that we won't dwell too much on that but amazing if you get the chance do it so how does all that's going on at Volvo, and uh, you know, obviously you, you can't reveal all the plans. Um, it's only party to what you you know. Excuse the drilling in the background there. But how does it translate to the claims industry we currently know, and what well, you know kind of is your message to everyone involved in the industry right now? Axton rates. Thought just preparing for this interview, Mark. You know, reminds me that Axton rates have dropped dramatically in the last twenty years. I remember when I first started on the Toyota program in two thousand. We were working off a 20% accident rate. Well, you know, we're, not, we're nothing like that now. Certainly on Volvo, you know, we worked about six between six and eight percent accident rate. I'm not sure how that compares to particularly to other brands, but I would think you know we're right right up there as one of the safest brands, if you like, um, with the many innovations that we've had on our cars for such a long time now. And I think without that, claims will continue to decline. And I think again, as I already said. Previously, I think body, some body shops have got a decision to make really as to whether they want to become manufacturer specialists or whether they're going to be generalists working on anything and kind of everything. But I think the more high tech vehicles will will continue to need to be repaired at the, the Volvo, the Tesla, the BMW, you know, the Volkswagen Audi body shop, because it's only going to go one way. It's just getting so, so complicated. I was talking to a body shop up in Blackburn last week. The team there, they'd had a 
a body shop contact them that had, had a Volvo in and it was you know part electric vehicle whatever and uh, they were calling our body shop to ask for advice and they actually said that they didn't feel they should be repairing this car but they didn't want to tell their work provider that but there was no opportunity to actually then refer that car to our body shop which just seems crazy and I just worry about how that car is going to be repaired if the body shop is really that concerned that they don't have the skills knowledge experience the methods whatever it might be the diagnostics I don't know but look my message is that technology is going to continue to advance at such a rapid rate some in the sector um, maybe as I've alluded to already aren't maybe up to date with some of the technology that's already in cars you know so We've all just got to be sensible as a sector and make sure that we're doing the right thing and uh, looking at what's coming uh, into into the future. And, uh, you know, I understand that the body shops, as I mentioned, our body shops are investing significant amounts of money this year in the tooling and the training equipment they're going to need for electrification as the next sort of stage. They, they want to obviously get a return on that equipment. If not, they'll be rattling on my door, won't they, saying, like, you know, you've got us to invest in all this equipment and now we're not seen the cars come through so um we're there we're prepared bring ourselves to the next one sort of technology so uh, we'd be more than happy to talk to anybody about getting more volvos their volvos or maybe even a certain amount of those volvos uh, in our network for repairs and uh, as i said through the training courses we've been running the last what seven and a bit years we've had some quite meaningful engagement with a lot of people through that but we're open for more dialogue along the journey uh, to help everybody in their understanding as to what is required but yeah, um, we again. This I know when I was a body shop manager 20, 22 years ago at East Bill and Nationwide, we always had cars on the jigs, and we always had cars in the car park waiting to come on the jigs. And now you go into a body shop and you don't see many cars on a jig, if if at all. So I think you know we're leaning towards uh, whilst there'll always be a requirement for that type of repair um, with the safety systems. Obviously, we're all seeing already quite a decline in the big impacts that we used to see. I'm a little bit surprised that some of the body shops aren't sort of looking more at the sort of more cosmetic repairs and maybe don't have like a fast sort of track through the body shops. I think it will come. You know, smart repairs is, there's lots of different ways of doing smart repair. We've got a smart repair program aligned to our program, which some of the retailers and some of the body shops have uh, taken up on. I can see there being more of an uptake on that into the future, maybe as certain things change in the industry including uh, the technology where body shops may be looking at getting different types of uh, work in i think detailing as well we've got um the body center in norwich they're one of our of approved body shop they work across some of the other brands they're big into their detailing if anyone's following them on instagram twitter linkedin whatever you'll you'll see that i can see body shops getting more into that sort of specialist work as well interesting observations my friend and uh yeah food for thought as you say i think there's so many moving parts right now an awful lot going on but you can you can definitely see from what you guys do you know volvo you've referenced as the brand but you've also referenced many other you know vehicle manufacturer brands that we're only all too familiar with yeah it does become i suppose increasingly evident where the industry is just moving as a whole but how that will ultimately map out is uh is still to be revealed so We've got to the end of the kind of formalities of the interview, if you like. And thank you very much for your time, Steve. But we always like to finish off with a quick fire question round. So we will pose the questions and we will get the answers. What one thing might not many people know about you? Well, I write for a music magazine and I've been writing for a music magazine, different ones for almost 30 years now. Um, Come on. Yeah. The magazine I write for at the moment is a free independent magazine. Due to the current climate, surprise, surprise, it's online at the moment only. But the magazine is called Outline. 
So if you search outline online and shove my name in on the end of it, you'll see some of my reviews. I've always been mad on my music and still buy lots of music. That's one of my passions. Go to lots of gigs when able to still listen to lots of well, lots of older stuff that I like as well. But I like a lot of new music as well. You know, back in the days when you started writing for the magazine, you'd get lots of gig passes albums tapes cds vinyls don't get don't really get the hard copy stuff and it's all streamed unfortunately but yeah still get to lots of gigs and you always get a plus one as well which is good interviewed a few of my favorite musicians um miles hunt from the wonder stuff ian McNabb from yaska works uh, idle world one of the first bands i was ever really into was the undertones i got to interview billy the drummer a couple of years ago which was fantastic really really good um, i got shortlisted for a job at the enemy in the early 90s as well didn't actually get an interview, but got a very nice letter back from them. Um, sort of keep 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 uh, learning your apply, learning and applying your trade sort of thing. But yeah, so not not many people might know that I do my music writing. What a different turn your career could have taken then if uh, oh, NME. Hey, what a different world. But um, okay, lovely stuff. So I don't know. Does that answer the next question? But what what would your alter ego be doing as a career right now? In the dreams, I'd be a professional footballer, but I was never ever good enough for that. But you know, as a, as a kid. I still dream of getting the call on a Friday night, you know, from Daniel Farker. Um, you know, Pookie's injured on a Saturday afternoon. Can you can you step in? Um, I'd be there like a flush. Yeah, never good enough to do that. Maybe a lead singer in a band. Well, I can't sing apparently, so that was never going to happen either. Professional runner? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe I might have been good enough if I'd have got more into my running. Instead of getting more into my running at, in my 40s, maybe if I'd have done it, stuck at it when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I might have been half decent but maybe a realistic alter ego would have been possibly to be a music oh, when I was at school I didn't really know what I wanted to do to be honest with you I was just lucky that um, my dad had a garage and luckily that I enjoyed doing that and so I'm I don't have any regrets I'm really quite happy and um, doing what I'm doing and the career path that I've taken Mark and it's nice to maybe have the things that I've mentioned there are all still as hobbies at a ripe old age of 58 you know so Gonna say, it sounds like you've got the perfect mix, basically. Or, uh, you've got a bit of everything in there, so fair play. You've got to make, got to make the most of uh, what you've got, haven't you? Uh, absolutely. So what's the uh, best bit of business advice you've ever heard, seen or received? As I mentioned, I lost my dad. I was just 20, so that was a big, big blow. But I'd seen my dad had always worked really, really hard, had his own business, and uh, he actually regretted working maybe as hard as he had done after sort of uh, being diagnosed with leukemia and sort of cut off in his prime. But I you know, had a good upbringing, brought up some good ethics, and um, I think got that uh, hard-working ethic that I've got from my dad and I don't know I just always like I'm not really sure where I got this from but I've always sort of sort of gone along the lines that you treat other people how you like to be treated yourself you know one of the things that has been really influential to me I don't really like reading business books at all some of them really really irritate me and I've bought a few in the past and started reading them thought no it's not for me when I started with Volvo and Steve Chittam who's now at BSF and listened to what I was going to be doing with the Volvo program he gave me Tribes by Seth Godin and I've got lots of friends and associates reading that in the last sort of eight or so years and he said to me that it would be he thought I'd really get it and enjoy it and I really did I really really got it I couldn't put it down I've read it and listened to it a few times since but it you know as I was looking to go on this journey at Volvo and again it what and as as I said earlier it was just me the first 12-13 months taking on tribes just really gave me belief that I was doing the right things I've kind of built I've built my tribe if you like you know the Volvo network the people that work with us, all those great people that we're working with. So um, Tribes was a great piece of business advice. 
but yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the others are more sort of just come from sort of having a good upbringing really good man good man yeah and tribes yeah can vouch for that great really yeah. great reference point one that Fabulous. you can always go back to so yeah excellent all right and the final question again we'll kind of you know remove steve plunkett from volvo for, for a moment self-driving vehicles for you yes or no and why yes uh, i'm sure it's going to happen you know anything that enhances occupant and pedestrian safety is a must isn't it at the end of the day so you know i think again looking at the speed as we've already discussed of all this amazing technology in recent times in an industry actually that doesn't awfully uh see a big amount of change does it and over a short space of time you know not not tons has changed really in the last 10 20 30 years but the technology in the vehicles really has so um, i'm sure that's going to keep going as we've said and uh yeah self-driving is going to be an interesting concept but I think we seem to be sort of in the fast lane with technology in, in more recent times, certainly, and change in the industry. Great stuff. Well, there we have it, Steve. Thank you very much indeed for your time, my friend. Really, really well, appreciate pleasure. it. It's been nice to talk to you, Mark, as always. And likewise, uh, and uh, look forward to catching up with you, uh, well, very soon and uh, and on the football pitch as well. Yeah, very much so. Let's hope that we can, um, you know, don't stop the running, whatever you do, really, because uh, not that you would, because you're a bit of a fitness fanatic. You're our, you're our engine room, Mr. Hadaway, in that in that Bunkies All Stars midfield. Um, we, we need we need you we need you your regular fitness levels, please. Um, you know like, you're like the Brian Robson. Anyone that remember the Man United player Brian Robson? This is what Mark Hadaway is like on the on the football pitch. Hey, I think, I think the only commonality I've probably got with him is that uh, weren't the rumours that he enjoyed a pint of Guinness before a game. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. about as close that's, as I'll get. I think so, certainly if you are, we, the fact that I've actually name checked you to professional football you probably should have thought about one for me really mark to be honest with yeah, you i should have um, you know, sort of some slow old dodgy left back or something you know <laughs> yeah i'm just thinking i'll come back to you on that one yeah yeah kenny sansom there you go yeah that'll do i'll take that i'll take that nice nice okay my friend anyway catch up with you soon buddy be yeah, great to, love to you. catch you thanks everybody and hope everyone's enjoyed it been nice talking to you as always mark cheers mate and there you have it the full whistle has been blown steve plunkett comes out yet again a winner great to catch up with him uh, and again plenty uh, of content in there for you considerations plenty of thoughts and of course a great insight into steve himself and his career within the industry today a huge thank you to our corporate partners basf bms cats copart emacs integral enterprise rent-a-car merca nationwide vehicle recovery assistance smg response and sherwin williams and of course to our partners aztec the green park specialists and darsa Presco uk and the innovation you've been listening to the arc 360 podcast hope you've enjoyed it catch up with you all soon take care everybody <laughs>